Bienvenidos to Melo Merezco. I'm your host, Andrea Teeda. In this show, we learn from amazing individuals who are at different stages of their journey. These are individuals with different careers who took the leap, are breaking generational patterns, and are creating their own reality. Therefore, with any goals we have, these conversations remind us that Melo Merezco. No other explanation needed. Welcome or welcome back to another episode of Melo Merezco. We have another awesome guest today. We have Wendy, a top realtor in Chicago and a pharmacist by training. So I'm super excited to learn more about her. Wendy, hi, how are you? Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Just as much as I'm spending my time, you're spending your time, especially today after Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving. So thank you. Now, the honor is mine. I, I'm really, again, I'm really excited. So let's get into it. What's your story essentially how did you get started like what were those moments experiences that led you to be um, a pharmacist and then shifting into becoming a realtor which i find really really interesting yeah well so i was named one day after the windy city so i feel like this was mm -hmm. my calling to be an agent all along mm -hmm. um my parents migrated here in the 80s long story short we moved seven times growing up so i was always around realtors i was always used to that process being a first generation child of immigrants i had to help with i knew every single hustle we bought what we sold for fha conventional so all that wow. talk was in in my daily uh however because i am a first generation mexican american college graduate which means that i'm the first in my family to graduate with a doctorate degree meant that I felt that for my parents' sacrifices, I had to do something. You know, I'm the youngest of four. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, none of my older siblings completed the level of education that I have. So I felt that I held that pressure. I've always been this little ambitious girl who uh, always wanted, I was like, I have to make mom and dad proud. I'm going to get my doctorate. So real estate was, well, yeah, it would be cool to do it, but maybe the doctor route was cooler. So that's exactly what I did. And the best way that I explain it is I was a pharmacist and in a retail setting. And you know that movie scene from Finding Nemo where they escape and like they get in the water and like they're in their like water yeah, little bags and they're yeah. like, now what? Like that's exactly mm -hmm. how I felt. I was like, I just completed a doctor degree. I have a six figure paying job. I'm 24 years old. And I have no idea what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I struggled a lot. I mean, I started a business. I did pharmaceutical consulting. I started working at a hospital. The pandemic happened. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, you know, I started getting into podcasts. I started listening to this podcast about real estate investing. Mm -hmm. So then I ended up getting into, like, under contract on my first triplex, which is an investment property oh, wow. while I was a pharmacist. My realtor at the time, who's amazing, was just like, Wendy, you'd be really good at this. I think you should just get your license. Here's a website. Go and do it. And that's oh, wow. exactly what I did. I ended up quitting my uh, pharmacist job full time, and I joined his team. And then August of last year, I transitioned to at Properties, which is where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. And year to date, I've made six figures in real estate wow. commissions. And I have never looked back. Um, I, I always wondered, uh, what what if, right? We always wonder, like, oh, I, I thought, if I would have never gone to pharmacy school and I would have done real estate, I would have been, like, a multimillionaire in my penthouse <laughs> looking out the window in Chicago. And uh, I listened to Gary Vee a lot. And one of the things that he says is that we think that the what if alternative would have been the better 
option. But what if I was, let's say, in my million dollar penthouse looking out the window because I would have done real estate and I would have been like, what if I would have gotten my doctorates? Mm. And that itself was like, damn, I'm that I think that is what made me achieve happiness like <laughs> lifetime. I was like, I can never think about what ifs anymore. Like I, I everything is happening for the right reason. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I've been privileged enough to have the opportunity to do both. Interesting. There's like so many things that you touched upon that I want to like talk about. Yeah. But first, like, what made you go like out of all the the careers, cho- the career choices that you had, like what made you go into like becoming a doctor? Uh, so I- interesting. I was just in my, I visited my high school last on Tuesday. So a couple of days ago, oh. I was in my high school speaking on the panel. And I was like, actually, this is why, like volunteerism, I've always taken every opportunity. I was in HOSA, which is Health Academy Student Organization or Association. Mm-hmm. And the high school would essentially prepare us to get our CNA or like our uh, EMT license. I was getting my CNA when I was, at, the program was sophomore through senior year in high school. So by senior mm-hmm. year, I had my CNA. I was going, getting dual credit at Wabonzi, the community college. and in my junior year, my mom brought me in as a volunteer into the hospital. My mom is a pharmacy technician. So, okay. so full like story, the... well, full story, I was like, I'm now like her boss in the pharmacy, which is so funny. Oh, wow. She like works for me, like the technicians. <laughs> um, but she brought me in and they would have me like pull syringes, split capsules mm-hmm. and like prepare medications. And I remember when I walked in, it was like that movie scene where like the air like flowing like everything pauses I walked into the pharmacy and I was like I saw all these hot people in white coats where I'm like I want to do this like I don't want to touch blood I don't want to touch like humans like I want to just do help and help patients help families help people but in this capacity and then from that day I was like I want to be a pharmacist how I was going to do it I had no idea but that's a story for another day. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so you you kind of had like um your your mom was in that field, so it helped you get into that. And it's so cool how you had like programs in your in your high school where they helped you with this. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned like how you were twenty four when you finished your doctorates. Is that yes? How? Because what? How is that? <laughs> is that like before the PhD or? Or is that a different? I, I just did a bachelor's. So I'm not. <laughs> I'm okay. Not Girl, look, listen. I think being a first generation in anything, we're a whole community. We're a, because I was in this program. Mm-hmm. I remember my freshman year, all my three roommates were three white girls, which are like, I, I love them. I have like so much respect for them. I was only Mexican in my entire college. That's where my story oh, wow. really grew. Um, but we were sitting down one day and I was like, oh yeah, you know, doctor, doctor, like we're going to be called doctors. And she's like, you know, you're getting a PharmD, right? And I was like, yeah, PhD, MD, PharmD, whatever, same thing. Mm. She's like, no, they're not the same thing. I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) And that's when I learned when I'm like in the first week of school that I'm not going to be a physician or I'm not going to be a a psychiatrist. Like I just had no idea Mm. what, doctor meant they just said you know school promoted it as a doctor program 
we are doctors. We're doctors of pharmacy. Like an MD is a doctor of medicine. A PhD, mm -hmm. you can get a PhD in in like perfect like professors could be PhDs where they write a dissertation and they specialize in something, mm -hmm. but they're not licensed to practice medicine. So there's mm -hmm. all these nuances that I was like, whoa, <laughs> I had no idea. And how would I? I mean, no one in my family has done it. A, a JD, a law degree, I mean, uh, physical therapy. There's doctors of physical therapy. Like your physical therapist is a doctorate by training. So okay. it's really interesting that you bring that up because I don't think a lot of people know that. No, this is probably going to be a clip in my, in my TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> use it. Yeah, I had no idea. All right. So because of that, you were able to a uh, doctor in pharma pharmaceutical? Is that how you say? A doctor of pharmacy. Pharmacy. Oh, pharmacy. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> doctor of pharmacy. But yeah, it's pharmaceuticals. I mean, doctor of pharmacy is a farm D, so like P-H-A-R-M and then D at the end is like what mm. we put after our names. Okay, okay. Okay, going back to your story, what were how long were how long were you um in the pharmacy career or pharmaceutical? So I graduated in 2019. Uh, I did uh, retail at CVS for about 10 months. Um, then a client or a patient mm -hmm. was the one that approached me and he's like, whoa, you're too good to be doing this. <laughs> like there's these opportunities. He, you know, took me under his wing. He was 20 years older than me, showed uh -huh. me how to start my own business. Uh, so then I created our consulting partners and mm -hmm. I was subcontracted for his company to work for a startup that was mm -hmm. very tech. And, and girl, I'm telling you, I speak these things. And I was like, if you would, I mean, I'm at 24 years old. I have no idea what's happening. I have no idea what's going on. But for me, I just always have known that it's like, I'm a high risk tolerance gal. Mm -hmm. Like I will go into shit blindly and I will take that <laughs> risk because big high risk, high reward. And, okay. you know, I, I, I trusted him. We worked together. I mean, I was, again, walking into rooms where I'm the director of pharmaceutical operations and everyone's twice my age. Um, oh, but then the pandemic happened. So unfortunately, a lot of our job was to go into physician practices mm. um, and it was difficult. So I did that also for about 10 months. When I started that, the hospital where my mom works at, long story short, my mom is a technician there, but she started as a housekeeper there. I was actually born in that hospital where oh, she works at today. Oh, yeah, wow. so it's like everyone there knows my mom. Everyone, I mean, now people are starting to recognize like, oh, you're Wendy's like mom. And like, <laughs> it's like so funny. But um, the hospital, I went, because I was a volunteer there, in order to work in a hospital, you need to do more schooling. So it's like a residency, which is PGY1, PGY2, which means postgraduate year one, postgraduate year two. So you specialize in like, I mean, we're touching patients that are in the hospital that are critical care, car accidents. I mean, mm -hmm. pediatrics, Nick, you name it. We're folk, we, we know the drugs for that. So they brought me on every other weekend. So I started working every other weekend. And then um, while I was doing the consulting gig and the hospital every other weekend, mm -hmm. then towards the end of the year was when COVID was like, everything's kind of shut down. They offered me a full-time position as a clinical pharmacist at the hospital, and it's Northwestern Medicine. So at that point, I was like, hey, look, I have to take this opportunity because I'm, 
I don't need a residency to do it. And they're offering me this. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I, I took that. And then along that road, I left the consulting partner. And then I did pharmacy, clinical pharmacy for about 10 months. As you can tell, 10 months is like my cutoff. Yeah, but I've been doing real estate for longer than 10 months. So I think we're going somewhere. <laughs> you can and, to uh, Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, July of last year, I decided that I didn't want to be a pharmacist anymore. I was already doing real estate. I loved real estate. It just felt like full circle for me. And I quit full time. Um, and I stayed PRN. PRN means as needed so I work mm. I'm required to work like at the time when I left I said two shifts a month but it's really like two a year so just to keep mm. my license active and mm. I get some of the benefits I got a bonus this year for just being <laughs> on their on their payroll sometimes so oh, wow. yeah it how how did you first like what were like some obstacles that you were going through in that career like you mentioned like imposter syndrome mm. um yeah what were like some other things and then how did you deal with it because you also mentioned you're a high risk so I imagine like it's easier for you to kind of like just go and do stuff so but why what were those things oh my goodness every day <laughs> was and then to put it into perspective I'm 24 years old with a doctor's degree making six figures I walk into yeah. a room I look like I'm 12. Like right now, I, feel, I put on earrings, so maybe I look a little older. But I walk into this room, and my technicians are some are 30s, 40s, 50s, and oh, wow. I'm telling them what to do. I'm in charge. I am in charge of these people. Patients are asking me questions. Patients are looking at me like, "How the hell does this little girl know what she what I'm supposed to be taking?" Um, so yeah. definitely, my age has been one of the uh, biggest challenges. As I said, in, in college, I was the only Hispanic, Latina, Spanish speaker in the entire college, not just my class, the whole college. Mm -hmm. So I had already been used to facing that. But when it came to the workforce, at the end of the day, sometimes it's that trust. Thankfully, I was in Hispanic dominant source. So a lot of the Latino community trusted me because I spoke their language. And mm -hmm. obviously, my education spoke for me as well. But the biggest challenge was like, I, in, in the, at CVS, I was supposed to be, I'm the pharmacist in charge. And there were moments where I would ask the tech, hey, I need you to do, you know, go get drive through. And I would get answers like, you worry about doing your job and I'll do mine. So like, oh. as an, a young adult, you're like, okay, like, I, this isn't my mom. Like, how do I handle this situation? Yeah. Because I, I'm also being assertive right sometimes as a latino community you're supposed to take what you're given you're supposed to be quiet you're supposed to put your head down and now i'm in a position where i can't do that or i'll get walked over mm -hmm. um and i was extraordinary with my staff like my staff genuinely did love me it was just certain people when their i was floating so i'd go to new stores and mm -hmm. they didn't know how to respond to me they didn't know if i was going to be good enough for them um also in the clinical setting now I'm talking about the hospital where people mm -hmm. have to do residencies. And I'm, again, the only, I'm the youngest, the only Latina, Mexican. Mm -hmm. I And we're all sitting at our, you know, we have dual screens. We have two cell phones. We have our white coats. It's a professional mm -hmm. environment. And we're getting calls from physicians like, hey, what blood thinner that my client or my patients on this blood thinner, like, what, what can I give them? Like, mm -hmm. you know 
I'm in charge of answering those questions. And a lot of the mm -hmm. times the staff is like, oh, we can ask each other questions, but we can't ask Wendy because she might not know she's not experienced. And oh, wow. so that I feel like just being young, being a first gen, being a minority doesn't mean that I don't belong in those spaces. I've never felt that. I know that I'm deserving, if anything, a lot more deserving. But it's definitely difficult to face in the workplace when you don't feel welcome necessarily is yeah. the best way I would describe that. How did you learn to deal with that? Oh, what were like, did you like go to YouTube? Like, oh, how to deal with like <laughs> with my workforce and age? ChatGPT was not around at this time. So I just want to would have been helpful. <laughs> it would have. Uh, I think... I think, you know, it, it would break me down a lot. Um, my oh. family, more than anything, mom and dad, you know, like they, I, I would go to them for everything. Like they, they were, they've experienced these challenges probably a lot more than I have. Okay. And just seeing how they're so composed, it's like, all you have to do is like, my dad's big about kill them with kindness. Like he always said, mm -hmm. if someone comes and punches you in the face, you turn around, you walk away. And I was like, what? <laughs> but it's, at those little things that they would just tell me, they would be there for me through every hardship that I faced. And just knowing that like, hey, look, these, this isn't, I'm all, not always going to look like I'm 12. I'm, I'm going to get older. I'm going to be more experienced. And then being able to call things out and speak on how I feel or, or just having confidence. It, it yeah. really challenged me to build my confidence. And that's why now, some people think it's a chip on my shoulder. I know it's my confidence and I know that I've worked to have that today. Mm. So that, that would be like one of the main things. If, we, if people who are also like young and then also have that experience, confidence, I think would be like the one of the main, would that be like a skill to have? Or? Yeah. Oh, a confidence will take you everywhere. I tell you, I was like, ask, ask for forgiveness before you ask for permission. Like I've learned that the hard way do. And, and at the same time, like I've been underestimated my whole life that that this isn't a shock to me. And I don't okay. expect, I don't expect any more. Like I don't walk into a room and expect like instant respect from people. If anything, I love being mm -hmm. in a room where no one knows me. No one knows what I'm doing. Some people come talk to me and then they're like, oh, you're a pharmacist. Like mm -hmm. now they're like, and, and it's to me that's the reaction I live for is just being so underestimated that when people know what I'm doing and who I am what I drive where I live how I do life mm -hmm. is like that that speaks for itself at the end of the day your work your accomplishments there's no one in the pharmacy that has ever spoken bad about me my mom is there and she was like <laughs> I hear them talk bad about so and so and like you're never mm -hmm. in their in their mouth because I'm there and I do the work and I think at the end of the day being confident in yourself, knowing that you are deserving, putting imposter syndrome, throwing that shit away. Now, I never believe in the imposter syndrome. If anything, I've probably done the opposite. I think I'm always way too qualified for things. <laughs> um, but yeah, just faking it till you make it. Like that's also huge. Mm. Uh, the confidence. Confidence will get you every anywhere. Honestly. Yeah, you mentioned expectations. I remember seeing one of your videos. Mm -hmm. And um, I probably I think it was the one of the one that you have pinned. So it's like you talking to your 15 year old self mm -hmm. and that had to do a lot of expectations, like what you expected to like the, your life was going to evolve to. And then we also have expectations with like family, society, ourselves. How have you dealt with expectations or lessons that you learned with that? 
that makes sense especially being like first gen i feel like you also mentioned there's so, so much pressure so how have you dealt yeah. with it i think that expectations I, I said this other day and i was like i will always take the risk on myself because i know that i will never let myself down no matter what it is if there's something that needs to be done wendy trusts wendy more than anyone else in the world to get it done and as long as i can expect that out of myself like i can't rely on anyone else which is difficult because it's, i'm hyper independent i find it difficult to delegate tasks which is like things now that i'm practicing and learning um but even as as a young woman young girl my dad tells like all my girlfriends like wendy was always this girl talking to strangers like you couldn't get her to shut up and thankfully her mouth has gotten her somewhere um uh, the other thing is just also seeing my my parents specifically my dad i mean my mom is a chingona a thousand percent that woman moves mountains and she's 411 so seeing her mm -hmm. doing like seeing my dad be so confidently himself and always knowing that like hey like it everything that happens is because i made it happen or mm -hmm. i'm going to make it happen um seeing him lose his job and still pull the family together lose a home still pull it together like they have faced so much adversity and I think they've set such an example for me to every, to, to that, they've set the expectations really, really high. And for me, it's like if I've seen them accomplish the impossible, that has made me believe that any expectation, anything is, is attainable because of them. Oh yeah, that's beautiful. And I think I, at least from my experience too, it's like the, like seeing what our parents are doing and the sacrifices that they've done, it's definitely, it makes at least it makes me want to do better too and then like i yeah. remember the video that you also have pinned in your in in your TikTok where your parents are your parents reaction to your apartment you know that when i i think that's when i met you like my like uh -huh. about you and that literally like brought us here into my because like for me i want to have that experience too like i want to i feel like right now i'm not where i want to be so when yeah. i am and there's like seeing or showing my parents like what i've done and one of the reasons is for them so that they could yeah. like enjoy life like that just thinking about it and then your video was like oh my god it's so it's so oh. emotional <laughs> i'm crazy it's crazy how is that can you like talk a bit about that video like how was that experience like um even like before yeah. shooting the video like after like how how was it i i cried making that video and i could still <laughs> cry just looking at it i think the biggest challenge that I faced there that I never spoke about was guilt. I know I made a video about it once. Um, I remember waking up, walking outside, and it makes me want to cry because I just, the view of the, the city, the Chicago, and just being like, damn, I know that my parents never had this opportunity. Like they, like with my mom, you know, they, they're both immigrants. But my mom, I'm sure when she imagined her life in, in, in the USA, in Chicago, this is what she wanted. And she doesn't have this. And, and it was just this overwhelming guilt of like, how am I able to have this opportunity? And I'm only able to have this because of their sacrifices. But I think over time, what I've learned from that, because one time I was like, you know what, mom and dad, I, I had them stay over. I invited my mom's best friend. 
we're having wine at my place. And it was just like, I mean, everyone's crying. We're all just enjoying this moment. The next day, like my mom's like, wow, I've never slept so good. My mom has sleeping problems. Like I've never slept so good. And my dad's just like, I really don't care about this lifestyle. Like I don't want to be in a high rise. I could be back on the ground. Um, and also like my mom, like the noises, she, I recognize that I'm, I, I switched from a guilty mindset perspective to like blessed, thankful abundance. Mm. Uh, a book called the secret that I read that I think every first generation should mm. audio listen to because it'll change your life because it's a lot of things that we've been grown up to believe that we're really messed up up here <laughs> in our mindset but overall I think my I I we as first gens put our parents you know we achieve and we we ex have these experiences that we're like wow they didn't have this but at the same time I'm like Right now, my parents are, my dad's 60 some, 62, 63, my mom's uh, in her 50s. And I'm like, if they would retire right now, what are they going to do? Mm -hmm. Like, my dad just told me yesterday, he's like, no, tengo muchos días de vacaciones. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm off for a whole weekend. I don't know what to do. <laughs> that I'm like, they have been, their normal is working and hustling Hard. really freaking hard. Yeah. And they don't even want to stop. Like we, we want them to stop. We want to give them the, the fruits of their labor. And mm -hmm. the ways that I do it now is like, I, I renovated my mom's bathroom. I bought my dad a John Deere driver truck so that he doesn't have to push the, the lawnmower. So it's like doing little things to make their life easier, but knowing that they don't necessarily want the life that Wendy has today. Yeah. They don't, they, they don't want this. And uh, it's, for example, that video, I know how incredibly proud they were. I mean, the, the time my dad drove my Tesla for the first time was like, <laughs> he, he's just like, I said, you know, that I don't know. Like, <laughs> my mom to this day won't drive my car. She's like, it's going to drive itself. So it's like these little things that I'm like, why am I working to have these and do these things for them when they don't even want those things? Mm -hmm. So definitely, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as we should. And, and, and I don't think it's wrong to do so, but um any of those moments now for me it's just it's gratitude it's sharing it uh it, I, for example uh invicto reached out and was like hey we want to treat you and a friend to dinner like and you make it like an exchange for a video and i was like i'm gonna it's a taco plate i'm taking my mm -hmm. mom and my dad and i'm gonna, i'll film it and i'll share that and i remember my dad was like crying he's just like they, like they were so shocked someone was gonna pay for our dinner and like they're like mira lo que trabajamos tanto para tener and like you, you now get we're so happy that you get to enjoy this and I'm mm. like I get to enjoy this with you guys though like that's what I'm happy for so yeah. it's like a mutually like like back and forth that we're both just really thankful and appreciative and knowing that like now I have truly learned to like learn learning to live because it's still a continual mm. journey but to live for myself and on top of, of them, of course. Too. Yeah, I think one of the important things I've learned too is similar, like having that conversation of like asking my parents, like, what do you guys want to do? And then like them being curious about that because yeah. they've been conditioned so much to want to work or just like my mom, she was a stay-at-home mom, but she always, she was always into like sales. So selling colchones or zapatos you know always uh -huh. like selling flan pasteles whatever it is and but she was they always did it for us like for us to have a better future like they, they never thought about themselves and i think that's one of the yes. things they have to like learn yeah. um to 
undo and like start focusing on themselves like even like right now with my aunts too i've like there's like so much going on but it's like like it's crazy like if they only knew what they wanted like ask themselves these questions like their lives could start changing for the better like in in the sense of like having a more purposeful life instead of just yeah. working 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 which is yeah it's it's an interesting conversation to have with your parents too like just like oh like wow my like what do you guys want to do like my mom wants to travel and and it's like she can but like she we went to texas last year too so uh-huh. she was able to get to a plane for the first time and it's like like i was able to do that with her so Aww. it's pretty nice yeah yeah, yeah. but um that's a really good point though that you make really quick i just want to point yeah. out and i think that's something that everyone should be encouraged is like sitting down at the table and truly asking your parents like what do you guys want like what yeah. if, if you didn't have to work if you don't have to be like or even now working like what do you want to do like i just mm-hmm. told my parents that yesterday and I was like, have you ever been to a Bulls game? And my mom's like, no. And I was like, all right, it's done. We're going to a Bulls game. Like, yeah. do you want to go? Like, that. let's do it. Mm-hmm. It's just having those like experiences with them. Yeah. I was going to say something, but I forgot. And going back like to you, to you, um, there's like another one. You mentioned a video in one of your videos, how you're like healing your generational generational patterns and the traumas. But then it also, but then you also mentioned like, but it's also like lonely, lonely, um, or feels lonely, something like that. Like, how can you talk a bit about that? Like, and like comment more about about that video. Yeah. Well, I think. Well, first of all, when I graduated, six percent of Latinos held doctorate degrees. So if you spread six percent across the world, it's not. Where where's six percent? I'm not seeing six percent. I I I'm we're scattered. So mm-hmm. I think. When, it, when I mentioned that it is lonely, it's like I walk out, I meet people, for example, this morning, woke up, went to Pilates. I go to EBC, the membership's $235 a month. <sighs> and it's a thousand, it's a 500 initiation fee. Everyone in there does not look like me. Yeah. Being in spaces that people don't look like me is something that like now, I I can't go in there and be like, Oh, how was Thanksgiving? Be like, oh, well, you know, actually, my my mom's family always makes fajitas, and I'm pissed because I just want some damn turkey and some mashed potatoes. Like, but all of them, I already know what they all ate because they all probably ate those traditional American foods. Mm. So I think those moments where it's like, I'm I'm lonely in the sense of like I always say because I'm accomplished, because I'm successful, because I'm young, because I'm the only person of color. Like that is almost part of my identity that. Mm. I'm not saying I'm treated different. Like people are, if anything, they're curious. They're like, what are you doing here? What's going on with you? What's your thing? And it's just even waking up, like there's just a lot of Latinos that don't have the resources. I'm not saying that it's, it, it, it truly falls on us. Um, I mean, I, I grew up and as you see, like I grew up on reduced lunches. We grew up, my parents lost their home in a short sale. We grew up having to rent. And don't get me wrong, my mom always, we were house poor. We lived great because they could barely afford it paycheck to paycheck. But being in that environment helped me. Like, it wasn't until I left to college that I didn't know that the whole world wasn't Latino. And and I'm from Aurora, so west suburbs of Chicago. And I call it mini Mexico. Like, you go to McDonald's, you can order in Spanish or in English. You go anywhere everyone everyone's bilingual like it's just like a thing that so having gone to pharmacy school where I was only Latina I was like whoa like 
y'all don't speak Spanish here? Like, mm-hmm. confused. And in the city, I think coming to Chicago, that is one thing I appreciate is that there are more of us, but also to the level and degree of like, doctorate constantly pushing them themselves to the limit like I'm still not where I'm at like I'm still here going to Pilates I'm doing hit classes I'm doing yoga I'm doing things that is not common in my community I'm living in a neighborhood where the people in my building are not people of my community and it's like yes I can go to those communities but it's like this is what if I want to keep growing I have to keep putting myself in these spaces that are uncomfortable yeah that's so true and i think i remember one of your videos where you went into a real estate i want to say like conference but mm-hmm. there was mostly like white individuals and like you were like mm-hmm. and and i found it interesting how you worded it because you did you i think it was like it's not imposter syndrome it was um get like si se puede or something like that yeah yeah and like, I'm like I that's an interesting that i was like that's an interesting um way to word it and a nice um, a different it's a different mindset compared yes. to like the victim mentality so yeah yeah i found that super super interesting what were before we get into like finances because we're running out of time but what were like some of the resources that you were that you used or helped you like with generational breaking generational patterns like starting having those conversations like tra- dealing with trauma all of that like what were you doing like books podcasts conversation with family yeah well one I don't read <laughs> I hate reading I do audibles I do podcasts okay. um and even in college I was the same I do think <laughs> that like financially my parents grew up living paycheck to paycheck like I couldn't I that's all I I know so like breaking yeah. out of that and like having savings I remember the first time living in my parents basement after I graduated and I'm like I have like 25, 30,000 in my bank account. And I'm like, this is, I, I don't know how I did it. Like I just stopped <laughs> spending money on dumb shit. I stopped going to concerts. I stopped buying the, the you know, when I first graduated, I got myself the Gucci bag. got myself uh-huh. a Burberry scarf. I got the Louboutins. And I'm, I'm like, I still have those things. Do I want more of them? Not right now. Like that, that doesn't, it, it's not an investment changing into, uh, an investment mindset and meeting people and, and growing and thinking about how can I save money instead of spending it. Um, that has truly just been like all personally me just listening to those podcasts and being around more people that think in that way. Um, mm-hmm. Also seeing it in first person, like I have met some of the craziest, wealthiest people. And I will tell you, they look like regular Joe Schmo. They're not driving, like my old team lead, I love him so much. He is like a multimillionaire. He drives mm-hmm. a green Toyota Camry. He wears the same clothes. Like this guy, he, you will never think that he has the money that he has. And and mm-hmm. that, that goes across the board with a lot of people that, that are wealthy. It's mm-hmm. like those things don't matter. So it's detaching monetary value to materialistic things is a huge mindset shift where mm-hmm. it's like, I don't care if I got this at Kohl's. I don't care if I got this wherever. <laughs> like it, like how's my bank account? That's a priority. Okay, and then I guess we could move into finances. What were, what's your like first money memory? I mean, you've mentioned like oh, your parents have paycheck, paycheck, paycheck to paycheck, but what were like mm-hmm. those like first like money memories that you had? And then how has your relationship with money evolved? And even like you mentioned it a bit, but like 
um maybe you could talk a bit more about it yeah and in in question how was my first money memory what exactly do you mean by that yeah like what's like at least like i could get like example my example Mm -hmm. so for me my first money memory was when my my parents fighting and and where we used to live like in our home and it's like they're always fighting about money that's usually Mm -hmm. their main their main um argument it was like money oh we don't have enough or you need to work more you know stuff like that or we need to uh, spend less so for you like what would have been that first or memories that you had about money yeah yeah i think it was the day that my parents lost the their home because growing up i think i was just really oblivious like my my parents um they worked two jobs my mom had three jobs at one time and um even in elementary school i went to three different elementary schools and my at the the third one i went to we had to be picked up by our parents i mean we're kids Mm-hmm. And I would have to lie and be like, oh, my dad's over there. He's the last car. And like the teacher would watch me run to that car. And then I would see her turn around and I'd like r- run into the subdivision and walk myself home. So mm-hmm. like even then, I think my parents were working. So it was always never like yeah. we don't have money. It was just like this is just that was normal to me. Um, from there, we moved to another house and that house. I remember there was like an architect. We were going to build like an additional room. That was the 08 recession where people were getting approved for loans for homes that they couldn't buy. That happened to my parents. They couldn't afford oh, that wow. home, but they got a loan to buy it. So then a friend of hers told her, just stop paying it and they'll lower your price. And they're like, stop paying oh, it. They're God. like, okay, you short sell, you foreclose on your home. And I was like, wait, what am I? That's not what my friend said. So um, that moment also, my dad lost his job and that moment it was I vivid I remember that day coming upstairs seeing my dad hugging his lunch bag and crying and just I've never seen my dad in such a desperate situation where it's like we're losing our house he doesn't have a job how are we going to provide and they've never asked us to contribute they had never asked us to help pay and that moment was when I was like oh shit, something's wrong here. Like, we got to move. We, we got to yeah. have money. Um, and that moment was was life-changing. And that's when I realized, I mean, that's why I am how I am today. <laughs> Sorry, like that made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it does do for me. It's hard. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. you. Yeah, no, that's... that's... I think like the moment where, where you said like your parents didn't want you guys to contribute was like a big thing because yeah. um, at least like my family I mean my, my mom always tried um really hard not to talk about money but now that we're older it's like how can we help and sometimes I feel like we're not even helping enough yeah so it's like we got to take the initiative at least for me and my brothers we feel like we got to take the initiative and it's like it's just I break my heart to like just we just mentioned yeah but also mindset from there like we our parents grew up like who are they gonna ask for help my mom is one of nine and the only u.s citizen in her entire family like she's the provider and now she can't provide like and i think now is like my mom she was just in mexico and it just came out of me and i was like i had 500 bucks i'm like do you want a cash or quick pay and she's like for what? And I was like, for your vacation. <laughs> and she starts crying. And I'm like, oh my God, where are you going? And she's just like, 
you know, none of my kids give me money. And I don't, she doesn't ask us because she's not going to ever expect us to give anything to her, just as we don't expect anyone to give us anything. But just knowing that that same thing, my dad called me and he's like, hey, my duele la muela. I want to go to the dentist. And it's, they, they told me it's going to be like 500 bucks. And I got a Home Depot gift uh, credit card because of my, your mom wanted a patio on the back porch and I forgot to pay the card. So now I'm back to it. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. so you need money. Like he's, uh, he's like, I was like, how much is, is everything? It's like, like 750. I was like, it will a thousand work. He's like, uh, I mean, yeah, I just need to, I like, I was like, okay, done. I, I literally quick paid him a thousand bucks. And I'm like, you guys, like, it's, it's almost like, interesting to be like you guys don't know how to ask for shit like <laughs> i don't know how to ask for shit because you guys don't and it's like now now i'm in a in a blessed financial means to give back to them and, and do things for them but i also like my my siblings don't have that opportunity to give to them so it's just like then i come across of like oh wendy might be you know doing too much or just, it, it, it's this conflict of like money and conversations of money to this day are still really uncomfortable uh, for me to have. But to me, it's just like you, as much as you give and you give from a, a genuine caring and source, it, yeah, the more you're going to receive. For yeah. sure. It's that, that um, attraction that Abraham makes. Mm-hmm. Oof. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to, no more tears. One more tip, one more tip. All right. Um, yeah, well, finances now, you mentioned how conversations are difficult to have. What were like some conversations that you had like with yourself? Because you mentioned how you had a six-figure um, uh, paying job for it when you were in the pharmacy. And then now with, your, with real estate, you've made, and, and one of the readers I remember you mentioned is like 100,000 plus commission. Mm-hmm. And like how... Like, yeah, what were those conversations that you had were like, and then like, can you like, even like talk about like how it feels? Like it's scary. I feel like money, <laughs> like, you could have it in your bank account, but it's like, it's just like there, like it's not physically there, but at least, I mean, I've never had $100,000. So like, how, how does that feel? Yeah. <laughs> or how is that first? Uh, honestly, it's horrible. <laughs> Let me tell you the, tra- the taxes. Okay. So to start with my <clears throat> pharmacist degree, right? So my first job, I was offered $100,000 for 30 hours a week. Okay. They were willing. They, were, I wish it was 30 hours a week. And when you're salaried, usually you should be able to work less. But no, I was always working more. So $100,000, I'm like, eh, not that much money. Now, the other thing okay. was taxes. I had, I remember that first year was $16,000 in taxes I had to pay. So I'm like, if you take $100K and you take 16000 out of it, I'm oh, really 16. not making six figures. 16,000. 16, oh, shit. that's a lot. So like, when you make more money, the government taxes, like, they <clears> take <throat> more money that I'm like, honestly, netting around what 80k. So what if I got an 80k thousand job, then the taxes probably won't be that high. So then I'm taking home 70. So might as well do that <laughs> job. Because at $100,000, I'm responsible for the lives of people. I can kill someone. <laughs> I check, I, I'm giving narcotics. There's an opioid epidemic. There's kids, a dose that I caught that a kid was going to receive double the like diazepam dose, which could have 
killed the the kid. Like there's oh, wow. that responsibility at 100k to pay whatever taxes versus an 80k job where I might just be in a call center, or an office job, or <laughs> marketing or something fun. Like it is not worth it to me to be honest. Okay. The six figures, the price tag. Now in real estate, what I've learned from the business that I had with my partner and the business, I, I so I have a my business is Lujo Realty. So I get paid out as a business entity instead of myself, meaning mm. all my client gifts, client dinners, things that are associated with the business, I could write off. So therefore my taxable income is less. So learning that, so essentially saying, yeah, I made a hundred thousand dollars, but I really spent $20,000 in marketing, right? I really spent yeah. $10,000 in going to restaurants with my clients. I really spent taking these are what the write-offs are, right? We take mm -hmm. all this money that we use for the business, but it's technically like for me too, but like it's the business. Yeah. So that that way, instead of them taxing a hundred thousand dollars, they're only able to tax, let's see, we took out twenty, we took out ten, seventy thousand. Now they only tax that amount. So it's mm -hmm. like this whole money thing, I mean, it's still a constant learning cycle for me having to learn um how that all that is done. But they say a hundred thousand dollars is the hardest to make then after that it's easy mm -hmm. because a hundred thousand dollars in the big scheme of things i and excuse my language i'm like i could wipe my ass with a thousand dollars a hundred thousand dollars like a hundred thousand dollars in big picture right now my rent my car my car payment's 800 and something a month my parking is 300 a month my rent is 25 a month i have utilities wow. i have internet i have wi-fi i mean i have all these expenses, I still need to eat. I still need to go. <laughs> I still need to do these things. So yes, I'm making more money, but my expenses are also really high. So okay. at the end of the day, like with the more money, more problems. Like <laughs> that is definitely a thing. Um, so I, I think it's it's being able to like the bit the best advice is right. Live live below your means. The more money you continue making, um, even now, like the next year, I know it's gonna be. You know, I sold three, three and a half million in real estate this year. My goal next wow. year is 10 million. And I hope to still live. I don't need anything more than my space yeah. here. I'm comfortable here as low as I can keep my rent. I will. Um, and it's really learning to live below my means because, I mean, money fluctuates. Taxes suck. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and yeah, it, it, it seems so far-fetched. I mean, together... My parents to this day they don't make a hundred k together, so like. Mm. But then I look at them and I'm like, y'all got a twenty five hundred square foot house with a big ass yard. You each have your own cars. You have have everything. My mom's home is so gorgeous because she balls a lot on the dime. But I'm like, you guys are really richer, wealthier than I am. You guys own real estate. You guys do this and have this. So, um, yeah, hundred k. I will say it seems like a lot. I thought it was a lot. Um, but unless you have your own business, it the more you make doesn't doesn't necessarily help you. Okay. Versus think, working for someone. Yeah, I think I remember um one of the girls I interviewed too, she also made a hundred K. I think it was like her first set first or second year, something like that. She was she was in marketing. Mm -hmm. And I think she in total like profit, she made like uh, like uh, taking out the expenses like taxes, um also like expenses that uh -huh. the business had to do. It was like a thirty, forty thousand dollar like profit, like that she was able to keep. So yeah, I could like yeah. definitely like see, see where you're coming from. But it's like at least for me yeah. and my family, 
I don't even I don't think nobody in my family makes a hundred K a year and then my cousin, which is the oldest one from like all of us, she has a good job, but it's not it's not like eighty eighty on it's not a hundred K, so I've never met anybody yeah who has that type of lifestyle. So it's like interesting to like learn more about it and I've I've heard about like taxes and all of that. And then like having your your Roth IRA to like lower the the stuff and then like yeah, like, uh, there's so many HSA four hundred one k matches, <laughs> I, and that is one thing I have googled like everything. Like <laughs> when I was a pharmacist, what like a four hundred one k match? Knowing there's a percentage, they're gonna match you. Some mm. matches are like two percent, three and a half, five percent. Like all this is like constant learning and being the first to learn and know. First one year, so, yeah, so a lot of stuff yeah. to do. But I think like at least for me, I was I'm also learning a lot about like finances i'm really into like trying to get my finances together and but i've learned so much and it's kind of cool to just like learn it and then be able to teach it to whoever wants to listen like either my cousins mm -hmm. my parents i try to have conversations with, with them more especially my mom my dad mm -hmm. doesn't really like doesn't really like talking about finances but you know i try to be as engaging as i can when they ask or whatever and yeah yeah, yeah. before we and I want to talk a bit about real estate and like, you really, all of that, like some questions that I had. Um, let me look at my notes real quick. Yeah, no, let's do it. But my favorite um, topic. Yeah, you mentioned how you were very when you were younger, you saw a lot of like, real realtors and like, you were pretty much like in the scenes with them. Right now that you're a realtor, like how has that experience been? Like, how do you? I don't know. What's your favorite thing about being a real estate agent? Like why, why real estate agent? So to put this into perspective, I didn't want to be a realtor at first because okay. the first realtor we had was a single Latina mom and she would bring her kids. <laughs> and like, I was annoyed because I'm like, this is my room. And like, they would try to take over the housework. And I'm like, excuse me. Uh -huh. Like, so, you know, her being a single mom struggling. Not she didn't drive any car that was like, whoa, right? Mm -hmm. she, it wasn't aspirational, if I should say. Okay. The other lady we had was an old white lady who, looking back, I have no idea what the hell my, I don't know how my parents found her. I should probably <laughs> ask them. And two, I don't know what the hell conversations they had with her. Like, this woman has, she made so much money off my parents buying, selling, because they moved so many times, seven freaking yeah. times. Um, so that was one of like, okay, real estate, that, when I thought about realtors, I thought about Sandra, and I thought about Jane, them too. Now, becoming a real estate agent, it's in the city, it's completely different than what it is in the suburbs. Okay. One of my favorite things, so I started coaching realtors on how to attain leads through social media, and it's because I can tell you right now, I have five, like my, you know, the 6% that I said that were all around the world. Mm -hmm. I feel like being a, a, a Latina minority Hispanic real estate in the city of Chicago has brought me to serve my clientele of badass freaking Latinas, women, empowered minorities, like Spanish speakers. I love what I do because I get to help my community feel empowered in making, I, I cried with every single one of my clients. I'm at their closing table. I bring them gifts. One of my clients, I got him Drake tickets because he loves Drake <laughs> and he had never been to a Drake concert. Oh, wow. Like for me, 
I recognize that this experience of home buying, no one is buying a home every day. No one has the privilege to buy a home. It's expensive. If a realtor says it's easy, they're lying and they're bullshitting you. It's like, I never, I tell my clients, I treat your money like it's my money. Sure, we can go and pay full price, but I'm going to negotiate a free parking spot in here because parking in Chicago is around twenty-five to thirty to fifty thousand dollars a spot. Mm -hmm. So I recognize that being, you know, teaching, being taught for my mom to negotiate at garage mm -hmm. sales growing up is what I translate into my business, and I want my people because there are my people that are deserving of owning real estate and how to do it smart, strategically, have as much equity. For me, it's like more of a bigger larger life purpose to serve my community i mean i drive my clients around we listen to the same music in the car i mean we sit at the same dinner table and we like just the other weekend um my clients invited me over to their condo mm -hmm. we're sitting down they're they're from Zacatecas. they're telling me their whole life story i'm literally <laughs> crying because i'm like i'm so <laughs> proud of you guys like you guys came here for nothing and it's sharing that moment of like I don't, I, I, if so I meet someone, I was like, look, if you're trying to just do a transaction and never see me again, I'm, I can't be your realtor. Like, I want to be at your housewarming party. <laughs> I want to meet your kids. Another client who they weren't Latino, but they were, they, I was the first one to know that she was pregnant. And like, they told me on the streets, I'm literally like, imagine oh, wow. me in the city of Chicago. And I'm like, <laughs> like, yelling at everyone's looking at us. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like home buying to me is a emotional like life-changing experience it's not mm -hmm. just like oh here's a home give me my commission no like that is and that's how a lot of people do business at the end of the day yes it is business yes i am getting paid but for me it's like the differences that we're making in these people's lives yeah. and like i always i i told realtors how many of your clients do you know where they live and they're like well i know where all my clients live because i sold them the house I'm like, okay, now how many of them know where you live? And they're like, not mm -hmm. many. How is that fair? My clients, I have a client appreciation party every year at my mom and my dad's house. My dad makes tacos. Mm -hmm. They're all invited to the backyard. We're family. Like I want y'all to mm -hmm. meet, see me where I am, see me how I am, come to me, come to my family. This is bigger than me. And I want, like, it's just, I think people sometimes, to be completely honest, they're like this this might be a scam because mm. Wendy's don't exist. <laughs> like, why is she being yeah. so nice? Like, we're going to pay her even if she doesn't. She doesn't have to do these things. Like, uh, the drink ticket guy, he was like, can I take you out to dinner? Like, please. I'm like, no, I'm just, it, it, like, I got paid. I use the money and I buy you a gift. Like, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. And I don't know, being able to really work. Like I said, one of my best, best friends in the whole wide world found me on TikTok, messaged me on Instagram, she lives two blocks north from me now, moved from Cali, mm -hmm. first in her family to leave her community. And it's just like mm -hmm. that experience itself. Like I just saw my best friend through selling her. And this is a property number one of like, I want to help her build a portfolio. We're going to have pet houses in the future. I mean, there's just like, <laughs> and she's same, same story, same background as me. So just so beautiful to be able to have this opportunity to work with the Latino community have my my clients feel understood welcomed and not just being served by someone who's there to get a paycheck yeah no that's beautiful thank you thank you for sharing i think that reminds me of a book i read um it's in spanish leader sin cargo so it's like literally 
you mm. don't pre- pretty much like expectations is at zero like you just do what you have to do and do more if you can yeah and then that could go like setting boundaries and stuff like that but just like what you mentioned like just doing out of like the intention behind it has to be a good one and i look like from how you speak it's a it sounds like a very good intention to that you don't want anything from it. It's like, like here you go. Like, let me give you all this love that I have. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty beautiful. What were I? My, uh, I was gonna say something, but what would be a recommendation for agents who inspire, aspiring or inspire, aspiring agents who want aspiring agents? Um, the skills like what should they be learning? And it could be like um professional ones or even like they themselves should be like um learning if that makes sense like personal and yeah. then professional sure i think having had my doctorate degree professionalism and maturity and like i my level my standards are up here when i answer the phone hi this is wendy andrade you know what like professionalism like okay. and then they, being a realtor is you have your own business you're in charge of your own clients you are the face you need to be professional number one Mm. number two is people reach out to me all the time hey wendy i I see your stuff i want to be a realtor i want to be an agent no you don't because (laughs) if you are dming me and you're asking me what should you do the answer is there you need to get Mm. a a license but two like i don't i've never had someone reach out to me and be like wendy I, i see the difference that you're making in the world i want to do this too if that person would message me in that sense, yes, be an agent. You have to be passionate. Like I'm passionate about this. I love going to see houses and condos and at every price point, I don't care if it's a hundred thousand, 200 or a million. Like I love that experience to see homes with families, to see where they're going to live and spend most of their life in. Agents, a lot of them are just doing this for the money. And I say, like, if you're doing this for the money, it is not, it, the money is not going to come when you're not doing something from, out of passion. Like, you genuinely have, and also, like, yeah. what you see on Instagram, it's real. Yes, I love my job. I'm fulfilled. I'm doing this. It's fun. But a lot of the times, I'm sitting right here, and I'm invoicing, and I'm chasing people for my, my payments, and I'm lead generation. I'm creating content. I'm, like, I'm running a full-ass business at the end of the day like I am constant if I'm out I am I'm the one girl my my dad says like Wendy will talk to a freaking tree like I will speak to anyone you have to be so confident to be able to start conversations with strangers like you have to go find your own clients no one's gonna come to you and be like hey will you sell my house no like it takes respect it takes trust and being a people person being outgoing if you don't like people don't do this like you gotta deal with people you gotta deal with attorneys you gotta deal with like shit falling through you gotta deal with really bad agents that unfortunately do exist out there um i mean just so many i mean we're reading contracts we're typing up contracts like we're doing things that it's like it's not just a pretty glamorous life of like showing houses and getting paid that's not how the business works it's a lot more intricate than that and i think most people should know that what all it entails i would recommend that if you want to be an agent you reach out to an agent and you offer services for free to shadow them to see if this is even something that you want to do um ask them how can i help you and that agent should be able to give you a task and a job and if you're 
I don't want to do that, then don't do an agent. Don't be an agent because you're going to do a lot of things that you don't want to do when you first start. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's really, really good advice. My mom wanted me to be a real estate agent and because mm-hmm. she's like into the investments so like she wants to invest but i just don't see myself like doing all that like everything you just mentioned like invoicing talking to people showing houses it's just not my thing yeah so and i don't want to do something just for the money like i know they've told yeah. me like, you can make good money but I'm like i don't want to do the other stuff so i don't think it's worth it for me and like my mental my mental health like no <laughs> no thank you yeah so yeah i think i, I agree yeah, like never chasing the money either. Like the money will come. You could literally, if you genuinely follow something that you love to do and you become the best at doing that, you can make money off of doing that. And anything, mm-hmm. like being a mom, you could teach people how to be a great mom. There's courses out there of being a mom and like yeah. first time mom things that these women are millionaires by a course. Yeah. If you genuinely are passionate and you love to do that thing, there's someone that wants to learn from you. And like, that's where I'm like, just stop chasing the money, everyone. Like mm-hmm. money will not bring you the happiness. I've had it and it's not, it's probably the lowest point that I've ever been was having the most money in my bank account. Oh yeah. It reminds me of this study um, they made where it's like, how much money do you need to like, or correlates with like happiness? And it was like 70K uh-huh. was, the, was the one after 70K is like, it's like whatever your happiness does not increase it's just like, yeah it's the where we are it's like up to you like your intentions behind it what you do and yeah which i found yeah. very interesting and something like everybody should like learn um yeah. before we end i want to ask you the last the last two questions that i always ask that i always ask my guests and so the first one would be from this whole journey that you had like becoming a pharmacist to shifting into real estate the obstacles the things that you've that you've accomplished achievements all mm-hmm. of that what would be your like top experiences that you had um either personal professionally you could do as many as you want it's up to you small or big so what accomplishments have i had that like yeah. are like key milestones for me yeah um oh my god see i'm really bad at celebrating myself <laughs> and i'm working on it like i was literally on this magazine cover oh, and like awesome. i was like Congrats. oh my god Excuse me. Thank you. Not on the cover, but in the magazine. And okay. I'm like, I want to be on the cover. Like, you know, I'm on, I'm constantly thinking about the next thing. Um, but one specific moment of accomplishment that I remember that I think changed, like, why I work so hard was because in sixth grade, um, we would have awards. So like perfect attendance, whatever you go yeah. off the stage, you got a certificate. And I remember sitting there and like, I was a try hard. So like, I, I wasn't getting mm-hmm. anything. And I was like, this is stupid. Like, I'm, I should get that award. She didn't deserve that award. And then there was an all star award that is presented at the end. And I see my dad and my sister sitting over there. And I'm like, it was during school. So I'm like, who the hell invited our parents? <laughs> like, I didn't know parents were allowed to come to this. And I was like, confused. Like, why is my dad here? And then like, you know, I get honor roll and then I get perfect attendance award and then I get this and then they're like, and now like the last final like award is the all-star like sixth grade award for the best student in the whole like sixth grade class. And my name's actually on a badge in that, in that middle school now. And I remember mm-hmm. I got called up and like, I got this little trophy I still have. I'm gonna bring it here <laughs> to my mom's house, but 
I got this trophy and it has like a genie at the top, like a genie lamp. And I just remember coming down from the stage and seeing my dad like in like in tears and my oh. sister. And I was just like, like, this is what I do. If, like he had to work, like he probably left work. I don't know what the hell he was doing <laughs> or how he ended up being there to this day. I've never asked him, but like that accomplishment to be like, that made him so proud to see me get this like notable award that in sixth grade, if you think back, like it's so irrelevant. And like, I find that moment more impactful than receiving my doctorate degree. <laughs> but even then, I, I will say the next best accomplishment was um, at the Peabody Opera House in St. Louis when I did get my, my uh, diploma. And I just remember walking down the stairs and like looking around still, I'm the only one in the Mexican stash, like graduation. And that hit me, I'm like, oh my God, I did this, I did it. Like, I'm gonna cross the stage. I'm gonna be named like Dr. Wendy Andrade. Like, I'm gonna get hooded and my family's here to finally see this moment. And that one that one day I dreamt about that day, I dreamt mm -hmm. exactly for six years what that day was going to look like. And it was every single person in my family that means the world to me that was there and saw it and like yelled and si se pudo and like, just having that moment to celebrate, I think far supersedes those two, like any other accomplishments that I even, I, I can't even imagine accomplishing right now in my life. So mm, I would probably awesome. say that. Oh, yeah. Thank you, thank thank you for you. sharing. Thank you. Um, my last question is for those who want to start something, be a real estate agent or want to start a hobby, a project, a business, but they feel like they don't deserve it what advice tip or strategy that i could do right now or preferably right now or it's like okay mm -hmm. start getting momentum like what advice i got tip strategy whatever it is to help mm -hmm. them like you know like see central medicine yeah well i think there, there's two things one thing okay. the best piece of advice that i ever give anywhere and anything that you probably have heard me speak is you could be dead and i know it's so harsh but it's like Right now, every single person who has the ears to listen to this has a privilege of being alive. Like, if we are dead, and I think that it's, it's being when I'm in my worst health, when I get sick and I'm stuck in bed, is when I'm like, this sucks. And there's people mm -hmm. with cancer, there's people dying, there's people that literally will not live to see a tomorrow. So what are you doing about today? to make your impact in the world. Like that is just like, people don't recognize how beautiful, how precious life itself and living and walking and breathing and hearing. There's people that are blind. There's people that are, every possible thing, my godchild has Down syndrome. And knowing that there's like, how thankful of anything of just being a human and alive is, is, is one. Um, and therefore you have no excuse to not be pursuing anything that you wanna do in life. And two, anything that you want to pursue in life, someone else has most likely done it. Even if it's being a president of the United States, I always say, pick the task, pick the job, pick the career, find someone that has done that and look and study them backwards because they didn't start there. They didn't just get that job. Obama did not become president. He became senator. How did he become senator? How did he do this? How did he do that? How did he... Mm -hmm. There's so many things that we view people and we're like, oh, they were just lucky. Oh, they mm -hmm. just did that. Like they, 
they even, I mean, I, I now with the technologies that we have, Instagram, LinkedIn, yeah. if someone wants to be, for example, a pharmacist, go on Instagram, find pharmacists, like them, follow them, praise them. Don't go in their DMs and say, hey, I want to be a pharmacist. Can you help me? No, because who like have some respect, but just find those people, go on LinkedIn. And the best strategy that I have is just become a fan. Show them that you're there without asking for anything. Send them a message of just, you know, I appreciate how hard you've worked and I'm seeing everything that you're doing and it motivates me and it inspires me to one day do something as big as you. Oof. That's it. That's all you have to remind. Now they're going to say their thank you. You follow them. You They post something. You comment. You're a rock star. You're doing great. I love this. Love this. Next time the person comes and they message you and it's like, hey, I was wondering if I can shadow you. I'm, arms open. Mm. Come, I'll help you because you've been, you've proved to me and you've shown me that you have what it takes because you've consistently stayed in touch. Mm. And I say that specific example because there are three kids that I mentor that have all done that to me. And I have a bunch of people that reach out that don't do that. And I know that these individuals, one of them specifically, she was from New York. She messaged me on TikTok, she found me on TikTok, messaged me. And I just spoke to her the other day. We were crying on the phone. She's like, Wendy, I was only Latina. I'm in the school of business because she wanted to be a pharmacist. And I was like, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. She's like, her parents are immigrants they, they live in Mexico and she's here by herself her and her uncle like mm. those people have proven to me that it could be done without nothing so there's a method there's a way and that's the advice I would give is give credit where credit's due appreciate become a fan show consistency and those people will be able to help you oh that's really good advice I've never heard it like that so thank you for that I'm yeah. gonna put that as a clip right there <laughs> I listened to that. Um, no, yeah. thank you so much, Wendy. It was really an honor for me to speak to you, and I enjoyed this conversation. Like, I even teared up, and it's it's crazy. I stuff. know. <laughs> I appreciate you so much. No, thank you. Um, for those who want to um check you out, the social medias, where can they find you? All of that. Yeah, so I'm on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, mm -hmm. LinkedIn. Uh, the Wendy City. So like T-H-E underscore Wendy City, like my name, Wendy, and then the city. Um, but yeah, pretty much through any of those platforms. If you're moving to Chicago, I can help. Um, and then if any other questions come, I'm pretty, pretty available. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely leave the links below. And then again, thank you. And then thank you for those who are listening or watching this. If you're listening, don't forget to uh, leave a review and then comment there's that q a thing where it's like what did you think about this episode like leave them i read them and then if you're watching this on youtube don't forget to subscribe no not follow subscribe like comment share all that because again that supports the podcast and again thank you everybody thank you wendy for being here and i'll see you in the next episode bye thank you andrea bye